welcome to our ICPO podcast, where we will be discussing Irish men and obesity. ICPO are the Irish Coalition for People Living with Obesity, a volunteer patient-led organisation. I'm Susie, and I'm delighted to be talking with our lived experience representatives, Ben, Joe, Jerry, Lawrence and Leo. Also joining us is Professor Don Loche, who will share his professional insights on this topic. We will hear first from Donal, who will discuss the connection with other chronic diseases and the ratio of men seeking help for their obesity. Well, hello, Susie, and thanks for having me. Uh, I'm Donal O'Shea. I'm the clinical lead uh, for obesity within the HSE and have responsibility for the development of services uh, within the HSE for uh, people living with obesity. The field of obesity has moved on a lot over the last uh, 30 years. Uh, One thing that hasn't changed is the ratio of men to women coming and looking for help with their obesity uh, remains the same. 70% women, 30% men. And we know that men have more obesity in later life than women. uh, And that's a problem. And men are more likely to suffer with the metabolic complications of their obesity, but they are still less likely to come forward looking for treatment. And I don't know that we're going to crack that nut uh, easily. I think it's about uh, raising awareness. Uh, It's about destigmatizing the disease of obesity. And it's about uh, getting men to understand uh, that uh, treatment of their obesity will Uh, give them a a much uh, better quality of life, uh, both physically and mentally. And I think if you get that message through, uh, then I would like to think we'll see that gap, that disparity, that 70, 30 uh, women, men come back towards, I'd like to think, 60, 40 in the next decade. I think The link between obesity and the nearly 200 chronic diseases that it's clearly causing and that relationship is either strong or very strong for diabetes, heart disease, cancer. I think uh, when people, men or women, get more visibility on that, they will come forward. Uh, Men tend to uh, be more comfortable in a disease role uh, than in a, I'm going to say this, cared for role. Uh, So they will accept care in the context of a disease. Uh, But if they don't see it as a disease, um, they're not going to be open to receiving care for it. So changing that perception uh, into uh, the reality of obesity as a disease that in turn drives very many other diseases, I think will get more men to seek treatment for their obesity and at an earlier age. We hear now from Ben, followed by Joe, who will both discuss their early years and how it began in their childhood. I've lived with obesity all my life. Uh, I was born... 10 pounds, which was heavy for a baby in 1950s Dublin. And from the time I started school, I've always struggled with my weight. I suppose the first 
thing that I would remember would be at my first communion because we struggled to get close to fit. But then again, that has continued ever since. Um, my mother, as she will say, struggles with her weight. She was permanently on diets. But every time she started a diet, so did I. It's kind of a, an unending cycle of lose a few pounds, get off the diet, put it back on, gain a few extra. But my excuse then was I was growing. When I was in school, you would feel ostracized because they would pick teams for football, for five-a-side, for whatever. You'd always be the last picked. And if there was an odd number, you'd just be left out. But when you were the last one, I remember being told, OK, you can stand and go. You'll block most of it anyway. My mother uh, used to always insist that we go for walks on a Sunday afternoon. And she'll even tell me now, but you were never a walker. Not actually true. I just hated walking at the pace that my youngest sibling at the time would be able to. It was just a meander. It wasn't a walk. Uh, when I was younger, uh, my weight ballooned from uh, probably around the age of 14. And going up to 21 stone and it, it, then into adulthood with that weight and, and in my early 20s, um, not being able to participate in activities like my peer group would be because I'd be a lot slower, obviously. So, And I think I was directed to my position in the group where I was the driver, uh, the support person, but not really participating in all the activities that other people would uh, engage in. Uh, and that would be obvious social activities as well as sp sporting activities. So whether that was a handy label, being overweight, being slow or whatever else, then that was my position in the group. And I got used to that. I was the first child in my generation. And my memories of a five-year-old were being given a cake to go out and play, a full cake. There's a full cake, son, go out and play. And again, that generation where you had to clear your plate. So for me, I was the experiment. Coming from a big family on my mother's side, I had several families nearby who fed me, basically. And that was my experience of food and sugar. And that still controls me to this day, that sugar is part of my makeup, that I need sugar, chocolate, cake, whatever. So, but I don't know whether it's because of that or whether I was a male. I think in my family background, I we call it the Land King, where my father was coming home from work and was, your daddy's coming home from work. Get out of his seat, get everything ready. He got his dinner handed to him on a plate. And compared to my uh, sister's, all I had to do was fill the coal bucket where my sisters had to clean the place, have the food ready, things like that. So from the background, I was never criticised for overeating. So that I can remember, certainly. So uh, I'm being the only overweight, overweight person in the family. Uh, and that still is the case now uh, that everybody else is slim except me. So um, whether they say things behind my back, I don't know what. I was never, and still are, I'm not criticised because of my weight. The saddest thing was with our our child, our son, that he developed obesity. And through both our experience, my wife 
and myself, looking back on our family experience with our son, with the freedom and access of food, we got caught up in the cycle that we're, we're feeders, we enjoy food, but also our lifestyles that we were both uh, shift workers and working in sometimes stressful jobs in the health service, that coming home, you didn't want to make healthy food. You got your takeaway. So the classic scenario, neither of our families were would have directed towards me an issue, whereas they would have said to my wife, <laughs> that's both sides of the family, my side and her own side, would have tried to give her advice and support and carrying that through with concerns about our health. In my extended family, there's been a sadness recently because another one, one of our younger generation has put on a lot of weight and it has was due to a stressful situation in their personal lives. And they've virtually doubled in weight and they've been directed towards myself and my wife. And we found that quite you know, heartwarming from the point of view that they had somewhere to come and have a chat about it. Jerry chats next of how his obesity crept up on him as an adult and how his work life affected him. Hi, Susie. Um, living with obesity, I I had a problem with my obesity from the age of about 24. So up until that, I was fairly fit. I trained a lot different, different uh, between karate, weight training, a couple of things. So I used to do a lot of walking in the mountains and... Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't until it wasn't until I got married, and settled down, had children, that I started to put on the weight. And maybe that's because my sports dropped off at that stage. Because uh, we had our children fairly soon after. Back in those days, long, long ago, uh, to me it was it was my job as a a father and husband to to go out and work and to bring in the money. Um, now, thankfully, that's changed now. So what I found was my family life kind of, I wouldn't say stopped, but my my contribution to that life was based around uh, being a provider. Um, now, I know how sexist that may sound at the moment, but again, in those days, we're talking about the early 80s, it, it was commonplace. Um, and besides, my, my wife would have been the best per- person to be at home with the children. So the the job, I mean, I, I started working for the same company in 1977, and I've been doing that ever since. And that work, I didn't have a structure as such. Like you'd get up, you'd have your breakfast in the morning, you'd go to work, you'd have a break then with the guys. If you were working with a group of fellas, you'd have a break with them. Then you'd have your lunch, then you'd have another break maybe later on, and then go home and have your dinner. Then be too tired to do anything else, and uh, because the work I'd done was was fairly active, so the weight kind of crept up on me, and I didn't re- not that I didn't notice, but I didn't feel it. So as I was working, as I could still work, and and worked on even when I reached my highest weight, um, it kind of drained me more. So I I wasn't paying attention to be drained. I didn't. I thought I was coming home from work and being tired, whereas I was putting on weight and not really noticing it. So the only time it's funny because the only time I wouldn't say the only time I noticed my weight, but it was always I always felt okay. But when I'd be walking past a window in a shop or something, and I'd see catch a reflection of myself, and I go, "Who who is that?" And then it would dawn on me that 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 is me. Um, and then photographs that we'd have taken 
of family events and going, oh my God, I look dreadful. These experiences are not easy to share. And next we'll hear from Leo, who looks back at how irregular work routine was a barrier for him. And Lawrence follows with his personal feelings about his weight and judgments that people can make. My living with obesity started about 50 years ago when I gave up cigarettes. I then compensated for the lack of nicotine with bad eating habits, which created weight problems. And that's where my living with obesity started. Yeah, on the boats, you had to plan ahead with your navigation, with looking at, at, at weather conditions, looking at tidal conditions. So you also had to plan your, uh, your, your food and your diet. And that was a big help in, in a lot of ways, except for the fact that, again, because you were working different hours and working late or early or long hours or broken hours, your eating became irregular for want of a better word. Rather than having regular habits, you had very irregular habits. Also with my work, I worked shift work uh, for most of my life and that would have created very, very poor regular meals. I would have had, I would have eaten when I could and tried to fill up just in case I didn't get a break when I was going to be hungry again. So, yeah, planning, trying to plan uh, your eating habits and trying to plan for regular meals, in my view, is one of the biggest, uh, one of a very big factor in having obesity. When I was 19, I fell 20 feet onto concrete and hurt, injured my back, hurt at bedtime. And from that, I couldn't exercise as much as I wanted to. But there I was, I was in this situation and... I found in the only way I could get relief from the, well, not the relief from the pain, but the only place I was getting much exercise was in the pool, the swimming pool. And I found that fantastic. I find that if, if I don't go for a day or two, I'm not that the pain comes back, but I know that when I do go back, it really does me good. To go to the pool when you have obesity is a big step. I was embarrassed by the size of me. And I found that when I was in there for the first 20 minutes, everyone else is in there for a reason, for their health. And after that, it was just a matter of going for it. People judge by the body size. Like, I, I've lost weight, thanks be to God. But I was embarrassed about the size. To think that because you are the way you are, your brain is gone. Or you're not helping yourself. But I am. Finally, after many years, my GP said he had somebody who had had a bariatric surgery. And he asked me, would I be interested in meeting him? I said, fine. Met him for lunch within a couple of days and then got in touch with the surgeon where he had his done in Cork uh, and started that procedure before eventually getting to the surgery. I never made a secret that I was having the surgery or that I have had the surgery. And when I was approached to speak about it, I said, that's fine, because anybody I know knows that I've had it done anyway. Most of the feedback was favourable. The only negative comment I got from anybody was from my brother, who was the only one to comment, well, Ben took the easy way out. There was always a concept that you should eat less and move more. During COVID, when I was unable to go to the gym, I started to walk in my local park. During the first year, I walked six million steps and put on six kilos. 
I, I think it's probably because of the work I do, which is basically I started off, I was I was a telephone man. Now I'm a communications technician. So I'm still a telephone man. So my ability to sit and talk to somebody, I've been honing that skill since I was 17 because you had to go in, you had to talk to receptionists, you had to talk to uh, managers of different, you know, people using the equipment, you know, what the problem was. So I'd, I'd never had a problem going up and sitting down and having a conversation with anybody. I think really what happened to me was back in 2002, my um, my marriage, uh, there was things coming up in my marriage that I went, this isn't right. You know, I'm not happy and this, and that, you know, for, for, for various reasons. And it was it was looking as if my marriage was going to come to an end. And it was during that time that I went, oh, hang on a second. I've turned in, I've turned into a different person from when I first met my wife. I was out, you know, I was uh, fit and healthy and that with obesity you know, it, it does affect the relationship, even though people say it doesn't. In, in my case, I think it did. And in hindsight, when I when I looked at myself in the mirror, I'd be gone, how does anybody find Jerry attractive? Because I could see, I could see from from a physical point of view, I could see I wasn't attractive. I wasn't looking in the mirror and going, oh, you're a handsome devil. I was looking in the mirror and saying, you really need to do something because it, it's not doing you any good. So I started then, I started going for walks on, on my own. But again, when I'd go for a walk, it was more or less to get out of, out of, uh, get out of a time when I needed to be away on my own. So I'd, I'd get up out of the house and go for a walk in the park and try and figure out what was going on, on in my life. And for me, that was the first, that was the start. Um, I'd go into the park and walk for maybe an hour and a half and then come back and feel better. Unfortunately, uh, I separated in 2004. So I had plenty of time then because I was on my own for a while and I had plenty of time to think about where I was going. And I, I lost a lot of weight. Uh, I met my current partner and uh, went traveling a lot. But um, it wasn't until maybe... Maybe, maybe 10 years ago was when I was going to the doctor and I'm going, I don't feel great. I don't feel well. Um, I'm eating too much. And then discussing my eating habits with my doctor. And in fairness to the doctor, he well, all he really done was sat and listened, which was good because it sounded as if he wanted me to tell him what I wanted rather for me wanting him to tell me what I needed. So uh, we had a discussion and... Lachlan Sound came up and I said, yeah, I'd like to go for that. And then, of course, I was waiting for that to happen. But during that time, I developed type 2 diabetes. Uh, I had a AFib. I had a problem with blood, uh, possibility of blood clotting as a result of the AFib and then another medical condition. So um, things weren't looking good. And then when my, my bloods were coming back and my medication for diabetes was was rising all the time. I knew then that I, see, I need to seriously think about it. Then my time came to join Lachlan's Town and was brought in there. And um, I think that's really what, what changed things for me because then I started to go down the road of, well, of course, you were dealing with professionals there as well. And you had the dietitians and the uh, psychologists, the physios, the nurses, you know, the doctors. Um, and it was good because 
you felt as if you were going in and, and having a, a holistic look at what the problem was rather than just you need to stop eating, somebody would look at that. You need to do training, somebody would look at that. Whereas I never grouped them all together. So in Lachlanstown, it gave me that where I could group all these things together. And as I found out, my main problem, while oh, I knew I was overeating and probably not understanding why I was eating, it was really the conditions that I had going, in, going on in my, my head. So things that had happened previous years when I was a child, they were starting to affect me more. And I, I never even never even associated them with it. So with my stints with uh, the psychologists, I was that that was teased out. And I have to say, I mean, there was times when I, uh, I <laughs> God loved them. I was sitting there crying my eyes out, which I don't have a problem with neither. But uh, that needed to, I needed to go through that stage. And uh, then I started to look inside what was causing my obesity um, and why I had a problem with obesity rather than just not uh, rather than I had to acknowledge it and uh, and get a grip of it. So so all those uh, sessions that I had out in Lock and Sound helped me to do that. In latter years, when I have had increasing health issues with diabetes and joint issues, uh, despite losing the weight. And part of it could be my work background with working in the health service and other jobs that I had in the past where I would have been injured. And again, I think it was because of my size, I was put in positions where uh, injury, it was either likely or that I was going to prevent service users or members of the public assaulting other people or things getting out of hand in, in the locations that I worked. And my size did work. <laughs> Definitely did. And that was okay as far as I'm concerned. That was my role. My size helped me throughout in my background. So, and it's been kind of fortunate because the two GPs that I've had recently, they're aware of my work background. And 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 it can be quite stressful in the cases where I work. But because of my background, this is why, you know, the stress aspect of it, from that point of view, hasn't been an issue with me because I have the experience to deal with it. Having a look now at my twilight years and trying to make sure I live a wee bit longer, the GPs have changed in that they've retired. I've got a younger GP and that GP is not taking any prisoners. I've been, giving, been given the, uh, the clearer picture of the outcome. If I, if I don't take more control of my eating, because when I say to them, I don't, I, I don't get any, you know, easy road with them. When I say I'm addicted to sugar, so what I do uh, and what I have found is that there is a greater uh, speed, and that they're going to put you on one of the the newer medications to help reduce your sugar levels, which is obviously a big thing if you have any issues with the diabetes. So I think that is good. I was I was quite surprised at that. I'm also fairly surprised that now part of the care has been passed over to the nursing staff or pharmacists that the GPs are bringing into the practice. And they certainly have more experience with the medication. And that has all been helpful. From school to work and in general, everyday life. I brought my infant daughter to a doctor at one stage that I had never met. And he proceeded to give me a lecture 
about my weight before even looking at her. And his parting comment was, you need to lose weight or you leave her an orphan at an early age. Needless to say, I never went back to that doctor. When I started work, I would always find that people would stop talking when I approached. So obviously they are talking about me and about my weight. When I worked as an apprentice electrician, there would be comments, well, we can't put you up in the attic or we can't ask you to get down in the basement. But I always managed. I wouldn't be where I am now if I didn't look for help in more ways than one. It was very gratifying to think that there were people willing to help me. I found the first thing was going to a clinic and then I went to mindfulness, which was something I didn't think I'd ever even consider. But once I got into it, I have learned as a great coping mechanism to, as I, when I go to the fridge to go somewhere else or do something, I say no. And the mindfulness is a great trigger to slow the process down of thinking about yourself. Attending those classes, even on Zoom, um, is a big help. We also have the uh, Cookery Club, which, again, attending either in person, which we've just got back to, or on Zoom, you're interacting with people of uh, like nature. We also have the Art for Fun, and they would be the big factors in helping with coping with it. I, I, I didn't really understand the term obesity. And to me, I was I was fat. But that's all they thought about. You're too heavy. You're overweight. Um, and again, it, it's only when you ask the question that you go, well, hang on a second. What is obesity? And again, I always termed the term obesity as being overweight or fat. And then when I started to look at it and was being helped through it, then I realized that obesity is more than just those two things. So obesity for me became my way of life because I had to deal with it, but I also had to try conquer it. So in, in, in conquering obesity, I realized that obesity was much more than, than just as I said, being overweight or for, for me, the term I, I use being fat, it, it, it was now a way of life that I was restricted to rather than wanted. When I had my bariatric surgery, which was a godsend, I mean, what happened then was I was going, okay, what do I do now? And I went, well, I really liked uh, the outdoor life. And and I, I started off with, with, with getting involved in that. So I spent more time outside. Um, during COVID, I, I built a, a hut, which is called the hut. And what I do with that now is because I went down another route, I started to, to look at uh, healing, trying to heal the body and look at the body differently than I did before. And I, I went down crystal healing and uh, I've, I've now gone down another direction which is uh, shamanic healing, which again is just, to me, it just incorporates my love for nature, uh, my love for people, my love for, for talking and, and discussing things with people. From And again, something that came to me since I was a, a telephone man was in order to do my job, I had to listen. So I had to, so now I find myself sitting in with groups of people, mainly men, uh, sitting, sitting around campfires, and then listening to what's been said and 
maybe talking separately to people when I'd, when I'd move away from the campfire, you'd have a chat and you'd go, do you remember what you were saying when we were sitting there? What, what you know, is there something you need to talk about? And it gave me, uh, it gave me the doorway into being able to talk with, with now funny enough, it's especially men because, you know, of what we do. And it gave me the space to, uh, to have a chat with them and ask them how they were feeling. An important moment for men with regards to their obesity is recognising the changes in their health and looking for support and help early on. I think men's relationship with support groups over the years has been uh, very different from uh, women's relationship with support groups. Uh, The vast majority of support groups are established by women. Uh, the vast majority of support groups have majority women uh, and, and girls participating. And I think that's the male psyche of just not being open to ask for help. Don't think that you can do it yourself because you won't. Always look for help because every day you get up, you will find that there's something to be learned about what you have. And there's always someone to willing to give you a hand. And if you don't look for help, the problem only exasperates. It gets worse, whatever way you like to put it. If we can reflecting back on our own experience, we can help someone else out. For me, if I was the time transport back to say myself, I don't think I could change myself too readily from the point of view that being so strongly addicted as I was to sugar and to the change in my behaviour. But there's a different set of factors now than there was for us 30 years ago. Society has moved on. The nature of work has moved on. And fortunately, the, the help is there now with the latest medications. From our own experience within our family, my, my wife, my son and myself, when we have a, a, approached medical services, whether it's GPs or whatever else, what stands out is the support that you can re- receive from whoever you approach, whether it's your GP or the ICPO. Now, having been in the background of this, because my wife is more prominent in the ICPO because she's involved more, that their issue of support, people may not think, you know, they go, they speak to professional and that's it. Whereas you're getting to speak to people who have actually experienced the situation and are continuing to experience it with the evolving medications or evolving treatments for obesity. You're getting someone who has lived it and gone through and received help and are able to help process that for someone else, that they can package it together and direct you to help you achieve the best outcome. Say the only regret that I would have was how long it took me to actually go ahead and have the surgery. I have always been told you need to lose weight. But as somebody who is in a constant cycle of weight loss and weight gain, it was so difficult. It's very disheartening. And that's why I'm happy to speak out, to tell people of my experiences, to uh, address the students in the stigma education sessions and to generally be available to speak of my experiences to anybody who it might help. A lot of my family, uh, siblings and that, some of them would have had weight problems over the years. And a lot of them, they would be the youngest of a family of 10. Um, so we we were always aware of 
people living with obesity in the family. Um, and yet half of the family would have had no issues with obesity. So is, is it in the genes or is it in the personality? Yeah, if I thought back to, again, when the problem of obesity began, which was when I gave up cigarettes, if I had sought help at that stage to cope with the lack of nicotine and got the help, I think it would have made a huge difference to my future life of living with obesity. I would have spoken with my family and my family would have assisted as best they could. But again, they would have had, they wouldn't have known or wouldn't have understood fully why I had the problem of overeating or what was the issue. Uh, they wouldn't have the experience to understand. And just to reiterate what Lauren said earlier, I think if people have a difficulty with obesity, they should seek out help. They should look for help and take it when it's offered. My family are coping with obesity the same as I am. And not until lately, a few years ago, I was at a cinema, a seminar and um, they came with me and we were walking out the door and they says, Daddy, we did not realise what you were going through. It's always something to be learned about. They learned that that day and I learned they were really, really concerned for me, the fact that they went in the first place. That was a big thing for me. Just on the matter of support, people that I'm, I'm involved with, we go for walks and we find that when you're at, in, at these walks or you're in these people company, Every day you're learning something from them. You might feel that you know it all or you may think you know it all or you don't need the help, but these people will help you. You pick up something new every day you go out about the disease and it's really good to help and to mix with everyone you can that'll help you. I think I wasted a lot of time being being overweight or with obesity. I wasted a lot of time and it took time from me. And now at, at the age of 64, I'm well, of course, it's probably four years now since I started, but since my 60s, I never thought I'd meet friends again, you know, new friends. And and that's turned on, on its head. So I've met loads of people um, and gotten very friendly with them. So there was a gap in my life that was just wasted, that I could have been more fruitful to both my family uh, and to myself because, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a shame. To, like, I, I wouldn't say I'm embarrassed about what happened to me with my obesity and the way it went on for so long. But when I look back, I went, I should have done something earlier. I should have spoken to people. But then then again, maybe some of the, 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 the things that we have now in place weren't there at the time. So now that it's here, you need to get up and, uh, and look at the light and go and find it. And uh, I'd encourage anybody to do that. Yeah, so thank you, Susie, because it is conversations like this. Uh, it is uh, organisations like mine, the HSE, uh, yours, the ICPO, and groups like ASOI coming together, having these conversations, raising awareness. And with that, uh, we we will get more people, not just men, uh, coming, seeking help, for treatment of, of their obesity. Obesity is a complex chronic relapsing disease. Prevention is important, treatment is vital, and management is essential. 
Our men shared a lot more of their lived experiences when recording this podcast, which we didn't have time to share. And if you would like to contact them directly to chat, please contact us through our website at www.icpobesity.org. We hold weekly support meetings. Everyone is welcome. Please get in touch. We thank our volunteers for sharing their personal stories. It's never easy. We also thank Professor Don O'Shea for joining us. And as always, we would like to thank those who support and fund us, in particular to thank the European Coalition for People Living with Obesity, who help make our campaign work possible. We hope you enjoyed listening. Let's continue these conversations and encourage people to look for help and support as early as possible for their obesity.